Hello, Natives on a Budget. Uh, Monica and Sean are here. We are going to bring you a special uh, episode of Natives on a Budget. Sean's in North Carolina. I'm in Albuquerque. And, you know, this pandemic has really changed a lot of things, including how you deal with your finances. So uh, we've got a phone line open and we'll see if anybody calls. I've been uh, pushing it on Facebook. But uh, Sean and I are going to do our best to answer your questions that you might have about how to manage your finances through this emergency. Welcome, Sean. How are things going? How's your family? Well, Monica, we're hanging in there. You know, we've been on self-quarantine now. It'll be almost two weeks uh, coming up Sunday. And, you know, we're pretty well stocked on food and supplies. So we're making the best of it. It's definitely been a life-changing event. You know, just really had to put everything on hold. My daughter's out of school, working from home, telecommuting, just making the best of it. Are you still able to to do some, um, you know, workshops and things like that online? Well, you know, I'm able to um, I'm able to write a lot. Uh, I'm able to get out my monthly columns. Uh, I've got a couple of webinars planned for early next month, all financially related to the coronavirus. One's going to be on the stimulus package, and another's just going to be on some of the impacts to the stock market and, and what Native people can do to protect their investments and plan financially. So, yeah, I'm able to do, you know, a fair amount remotely, which is good. Um, there's a conference I'm supposed to go to. Uh, actually, I was supposed to go to it the first week of April, and that's now been transitioned into a virtual conference. So I think I'll be able to actually just make a presentation through a webinar. And so, yeah, I think we're making the most of it. But I, I do notice like a lot of the Native programs that I work with, a lot of the nonprofits especially, they really are built on more of a face-to-face business model, conferences, in-person meetings. And I think a lot of them are, are going to struggle going forward in terms of adapting to you know, a telecommuting or more of a, a remote working environment. I think I think it's gonna be tough. We're gonna see a lot of changes. So, how about you, Monica? What what what, what what's what's going on in Albuquerque? Fill me in. <laughs> well, I'm doing great. Um, I'm not sick yet. In terms of work, you know, I'm what's considered an essential employee. A journalist journalism is essential right now. So uh, I'm still going to work every day, but of course, then not doing anything else except maybe to the store real quick to get something and then back home, you know, but it's definitely changed the way that we produce Native America Calling and, uh, you know, almost every show we try to have some kind of update or connection or something to deal with um, to talk about COVID-19. I wanted to do this because, you know, the big, big part of this other than, you know, your your health is your financial health. Many people are laid off, don't have jobs, aren't able to work, and um, it's it's got a lot of people scared. Sean, what are you thinking about this in terms of managing your budget? You know, we've we talked about being self-sufficient last episode. Uh, talked about uh, tracking and tracking your spending, things like that. What are the priorities? Well, I think, you know, one thing that, that I'm noticing at home is since we're not going out, we're not spending money on any type of frivolous purchases. So really only the necessities right now. And obviously, you know, got to make the mortgage payment, got to pay the utilities. Um, we got to, you know, pay for food and things like that. But beyond that, we pretty much cut everything out. I mean, I haven't left the house in two weeks. So 
that, you know, actually saves money. Um, I think, you know, for the longest time, we've, we've really preached this whole idea of having that emergency fund, having that in place. And unfortunately, I know a lot of folks just for whatever reason aren't able to get that emergency fund together. But, you know, this is why you need that emergency fund. And I understand a lot of folks are struggling and it's going to get worse. A lot of people will be laid off or furloughed, lose hours at work. Um, but really, we're only two weeks into this. So most people, um, you know, if, if you're if you're saving money and you're you're keeping up with a good pattern of just putting your money away, you should be okay for at least a couple of weeks, maybe three weeks. And then beyond that, you know, that's when the problems start. But, you know, right now, most of the utility companies are suspending disconnections for any kind of non-payment. Um, a lot of the big banks are um, creating forbearance programs for mortgages. So I think really you just have to focus on what you just absolutely need and um, just not worry about the other stuff. I mean, one thing that makes me feel a little bit better is everybody's in this boat together. It's not like, oh, just one person or a group of people are struggling financially. Pretty much everybody in this country is going to take a hit. So with that regard, you know, they're, I mean, they're not going to foreclose anybody's home right now. I, they're not going to evict people in most cases. So I think we can kind of rest easy on that and just really focus on our health and, and focus on our on our emotional stability and Obviously, we got to get our finances in order, but don't stress too much because it's just one more thing to worry about. And right now, people just, I don't think emotionally we can really afford to worry about too much. It's just, it's yeah. really just too much of an emotional toll. I absolutely agree with you, Sean. I think, you know, focus on your family, focus on staying healthy. We'll worry about getting that emergency fund later. If you didn't build one for this, just think about it, put that aside. We're going to talk about it later. And once we get through this and really focus on on building that up, these are the things that you need to do right now. You know, um, I wanted to prioritize things for you. And, and I have to confess, I stole this from Dave Ramsey. But I mean, when you're when you're spinning out and you don't know, you have bills stacking up, it's really hard to know what to do first and how to prioritize it. So here's my thought is first and foremost, food on the table for your family, right? You need to feed yourself first. Second is your housing. So pay your rent if you can pay it and your utilities so you can have your lights on so you can stay warm if it's cold where you're at um, so you can, you know, have water, those kinds of things. And then after that, everything else, pay the minimums if you can pay the, the minimums. You know, your credit cards, pay the minimums on them. Your student loans, pay the minimum on that. If you're struggling to even pay the minimum on it, then that's when you can call those companies and explain what's going on and ask for some forgiveness, ask for some, you know, and they're most likely going to give you something. Um, you know, the I know the student loan companies are working with people on that. And it just involves filling out the paperwork correctly and and those kinds of things. It's going to take a little effort. Don't just let those things go, though, in terms of if you can't pay it and then you just put it away and you don't think about it. You need to call. You need to set up an arrangement, something like that. What do you think, Sean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Be proactive. And, you know, student loan forbearance, that is one of the the features of the, the stimulus package that was just um, – it passed through the House today, and the president just signed off at just like within the last hour. So there is going to be relief for folks that are carrying student loan debt. And um, as this bill gets 
hammered out here over the next few days when we have more details. I think, um, you know, really pay attention to this because there are going to be quite a few benefits and different amounts of forbearance and things like that for different types of debt. So I think, um, obviously, most of the money, unfortunately, is going to go to some of these big businesses and corporate interests. But there is quite a bit there still for individuals and families. And I think um, if people can, can maximize those benefits, I think that can really help a lot. Absolutely. Okay, we actually have a caller. We've got Andy in Albuquerque. Hey there, Andy. Hi. How are you guys? <laughs> Good. Is this Andy Murphy? Yes. Okay, if folks don't know, this is my coworker, Andy Murphy. Um, she's actually in quarantine right now. And um, she also is the uh, Toasted Sister podcast wizard. Grand wizard? I don't know. What do you call yourself? The Overlord. Overlord. Wizard sounds kind of... Uh... <laughs> Kind of um, prejudice. Not <laughs> like so bring race into this. All right. <laughs> so, how are things um, going with you, Andy? You doing okay? Yeah, everything's okay. I still manage to um, spend a lot of money while I'm just sitting at home. I'm just kidding. Um, I did buy uh, a, a necklace the other day because I just had to have it. I saw it online, and it's like perfect for me and I don't see a lot of perfect things often so I ended up buying that and treating myself out because it was my birthday the other week and I uh, went uh, shopping a couple times um, just for some necessities but I think I'm doing pretty good eating everything in my fridge so Love I kind of think this it's like a mandatory eating out challenge right yep. <laughs> that everybody has to do <laughs> And um, it, uh, I, I can already feel myself like saving a lot of money just by staying here and eating, eating at home. So I do have a question, though, for you. Um, is it hold on? I wrote it down just so I won't go into the weeds here. Um, is it financially better to be single right now or coupled up? Good one. Shacked up. <laughs> Nagged. <laughs> All right, Sean, you you go first. Well, okay, I'm going to say that I think it's always one? better <laughs> to be shacked up financially. <laughs> I, I really do because when you look at you look at the way over the last 40 years, the way um, our economy has shifted, the way we've seen an increase in low-income households, there is a direct correlation between single-parent households and lower income households. And it's undeniable. And it's across all different racial barriers. So I really think if you have two people in a home, two parents committed, especially with childcare, it's just so much easier to manage two paychecks as opposed to one managing debt. So I think regardless of the coronavirus, it's better to be, um, you know, in a couple shacking, married, whatever you want to call it. But I think strength in numbers, absolutely. And in a time like this, um, even more so, you know, you have that support of somebody else emotionally that you can talk to, that you communicate with. I think it'd be tough to be um, just by yourself, completely quarantined. Um, I mean, obviously there's social media and things like that, but I think from a mental health perspective, it's just good to have that that partner with you that's that's by your side, in addition to the financial benefit as well as the emotional benefit. That's my take. All right. Of what course, do you think, Monica? Of course the married guy thinks that. So... <laughs> So my, my opinion is that um, just like with kids, um, with relationships, you don't make that decision based on money. 
So whether or not it's more financially uh, successful for you or beneficial for you to be shacked up uh, does shouldn't really factor into whether or not you choose to have a person in your life or or multiple people if you um, practice polyamory. So really, I just think um, it really comes down to like, what do I want for my life? And separately, you could make decisions about money and things like that. I know a lot of people um, will say things like, I don't know if we can afford to have another kid. And I just think that those sorts of decisions really need to come down to what's best for you in your life. And, and for some people, what's best spiritually. Obviously, it would be really nice to have somebody to force to go to the store instead of me right now. But <laughs> I'm not going to just, you know, couple up because uh, <laughs> financially it would be better or, or you know. So I, I don't know if that's the answer that you wanted, Andy. What do you think is, no. is better? <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's, it's, um, I would like to hear, um, I don't know. I would, I would like to hear that, you know, just the opposite of, of all of that. Um, but I do see it. And I, and, you know, I'm like sitting on the sidelines as a single person, kind of sitting on the sidelines, like a little bit jealous of all these couples who, you know, and, and you know, just paying, paying my bills every single month. I'm like, God, you know what I could be capable of? You know how much I could go spending or how much better looking my house could be? I could afford a new car if I had somebody here. And it just kind of makes me, like, frustrated. I know, but um, you would have to negotiate. <laughs> Andy, you'd have to negotiate all of those things with that other person. I know. Yeah, but then, but then I think, like, I live here all by myself. I don't have to negotiate with anybody about anything i can do what i want to do i can make my house look the way i want it to look and nobody is going to talk to me about it and it's almost like almost kind of breaks even there i'm like huh i don't think couples they fight all the time couples have all kinds of problems that a single people don't have though so. andy uh, what i think yeah. you're looking for is called a trust fund <laughs> oh yeah. So try to go get you one of those. Life insurance from. <laughs> that you get now. <laughs> you know. Oh, life insurance. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and one so. thing that. That's what I'm looking for. That I'm noticing. <laughs> one thing that I'm noticing, like, okay, there's all of these, like, um, virtual parties and all these, like, People are hosting these like virtual events to kind of keep everybody gathered up and so we don't feel so isolated. And I don't know about you all, but every time I see an image of some other family or some other household and what they're doing to get through this whole pandemic, it's like the grass is always greener on the other side. They always look like they're having more fun. And actually, I don't even want to watch that stuff because it looks the other day there was this big DJ dance party that this guy hosted and it was. Um, streamed all over the country. And it just looked like he was having so much more fun. And the other families that were streaming in, they looked like they were having so much more fun. 
I just, I don't even want to see that because I just feel like it's like the grass is always greener. And the same thing, like if you're single, oh, uh, the married couples, the couples, they have it so much better. And then the people that are shacking, oh, those other people that are single, they don't have to compromise. And I just think it's all about just really just recognizing where you're at and just making the best of it. (laughs) Thanks so much for calling in with your question. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Have a good one. Thank you, guys. You too. Thanks, Andy. Bye. So, you know, she brings up some good questions. She's been wanting to know the answer to that for a while because she's thinking about that particular topic. But I think the other thing that we're not seeing a lot of, you know, seeing these families, but nobody's like Facebook live streaming their fights and the fact that like (laughs) you have to go to one corner of the house and you go to the or the apartment or, you know. It'd try to go out for a walk or something like that, but then it's it's these could be very suffocating times as well, as well as lonely. And I well, really, you know what I wonder, yeah, Monica, I I wonder because um, I don't know about like what's going on in Albuquerque, but I know here in, in Asheville, North Carolina, where we live, there are just a lot of people that up until just a couple of days ago, when they really cracked down on the lockdown, there were a lot of people that were just going on business as usual. Yeah. Um, my wife had to go out for the first time. She went out on Wednesday and did some shopping. And I asked her when she got home, she said, I mean, there was traffic. The the light down from the street from our house was, there was a traffic jam there and there were just a ton of people out and about. And I noticed I, I cut the grass on Saturday and I noticed one neighbor, he pulled in and out of the neighborhood like three times within like two hours, you know? And, um, I feel, you know, I mean, you see these videos of like kids partying and, Florida and hanging out and things like that. But even just a lot of just regular people, I think, are just not really taking this as seriously as as they should be. And they're not dealing with some of these sacrifices that other people are. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different motivations for following the rules right now. And I've heard all of them in terms of um, you know, care for your elders. Don't think about you, but think about your elders or think about, um, you know, not spreading it to those who are um, uh, vulnerable and things like that. Or, you know, the motivation of like, well, it's the, you know, in many places, it's the law, you need to follow that. But I think there's a financial motivation too, which is this. Um, if you get sick, you're, you could likely end up with thousands of dollars or more of hospital bills that, you know, particularly if you only use IHS and you're in an area that doesn't have a good, reliable IHS, you're on the hook for, really. And so it's it's wise to financially stay inside right now. Yeah, that's a really good point. Well, it's just, you know, it's interesting because I just wonder, you know, as, as we move through this and hopefully this will, you know, we'll, we'll be back to normal fairly soon. I don't know what the timeline is. I, you know, you hear talk about getting everything back by Easter. I think that's kind of unrealistic, but I just think moving forward, I mean, our society is just going to change, you know, and I think, you know, even a year from now or two years from now, I think even, you know, the way 9-11 just completely changed the way air travel is and, you know, going through security and things like that. And even though I, I fly a lot and, you know, I don't think about terrorist strikes and things like that, but I can't help but notice how air travel has just been fundamentally changed from the time when I was a kid. And, you know, I think we're just going to, 
never again are we going to be able to just convene, you know, 60,000 people in a big old football stadium and just take it for granted that nobody's going to become infected with a disease. And I think, you know, you're going to go into a large event and they're going to check your temperature real quick before you walk in and things like that are just going to become a reality going forward. I think that'll be interesting. It'll be a big adjustment going forward. Yeah, definitely. I also uh, thought we could spend just a few moments talking about overbuying and hoarding. And I just I know that it's important to take care of your family and to make sure you have enough things. And if it's in your budget to be able to afford that, fine. But um, I really feel like this the panic around this could end up becoming some people's financial downfall. And so spend your money wisely. And I'm going to confess to you, I have bought way more groceries than I normally buy. And um, I have every intention of eating every last bit of food and not letting anything go ro- go rotten or whatever. But um, it's it scared me, too. You know, I definitely overspent on groceries this month. Sean, what about you? Well, you know, the experts. Yeah. I mean, the experts were all coming out saying, oh, you know, these warehouses are well stocked. There's no shortages of paper products and canned goods, but yet people just started buying and buying and hoarding and stores started selling out. And now we're two weeks into this and stores are still selling out. You know, it's good luck finding toilet paper right now in any stores or some of these basic essentials. So whether or not it's real or perceived, I mean, if enough people buy into this idea that you've got a stockpile, by necessity, you're almost forced to stockpile too, Mm -hmm. which is really frightening because I I don't really know what to do with that. You know, we've got a fair amount of supplies here, but um, I'm just hoping, you know, another week or two, it'll just kind of calm down and and the stores will get restocked. But if they don't, you know, it's definitely, definitely a big concern. And yeah, I think it's really easy to overspend and you're hearing about, you know, price gouging and, and some of these big markups on products. And even though they're trying to enforce that, it's really, really hard in a situation like this to enforce it with so many stores, so many merchants, online, bricks and mortar. You know, if they're going to overcharge at this point, who's going to regulate that? So that's another concern. I will say I'm very inspired by the little circle of native chefs and um, growers on Facebook and on Twitter um, sharing, you know, get they're getting their gardens started, talking about um food pantries and distributing to the food to the elders and things like that. It really, it really warms my heart to see um, Indian countries stepping up and helping each other out during this, during this difficult time. I want to encourage you, if you are in a place to be able to do that, then go for it. You know, Um, there's no need to hoard your money you know, if if giving your cousin 50 bucks to help them get through something is something that you're able to do, you know, don't think twice about that for sure. The other thing I wanted to bring up is what's going to happen very soon. And we saw this happen after 9-11 was the government, the actual federal government, encouraging people to buy things. And this is because we live in capitalism and our entire economy is built on both debt and commerce. And so as we're watching the stock market collapse and as we're watching what will eventually become, which is a recession or eventually a depression, um, there's going to be this this sort of rah-rah of like, do your duty to the U.S. to buy things. 
And I just want to encourage everybody to think carefully before submitting to that idea. You don't have to buy things to be patriotic. And um, for Native people, you know, I know there's plenty of uh, Native folks who are like, well, I'm going to do the opposite of what the government tells me to do. But for some of you who want to help out in some way with this, buying things is not it's not our responsibility to prop up this system during this difficult time. No, it's it's really not. And and one thing that I, I do hope a, a good that could come out of this whole crisis is I hope that as Americans, as Native people, that a lot of us just really take the time to sit down and reevaluate what our priorities are and what our values. And and one thing, just within the last couple of weeks, I've noticed, like, there's just so much stuff that I don't really miss as much as I thought I would. And there's so many products out there that I really don't need to buy and we really don't need as a family. And I know that, you know, two thirds of our economy is driven by consumer spending. And yes, we're, you know, the only thing, way to this plane stays in the air as if we just spend, spend, spend. But I just don't think that this economy, the capitalist economy that we have is sustainable ultimately. And I think this is going to be a test of that. And if it means scaling back, if it means reevaluating who we are as a society, as Native people, as Americans, and making some adjustments, and those might be painful, and they might cause some very, very fundamental shifts in terms of how our economy operates and how our society operates. I just hope that ultimately we emerge from this a stronger, more hopeful, more determined people. And we learn more than anything. I just hope we learn. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. Also, I'd just like to remind you that you made fun of me accusing me of having a Bernie Sanders sticker. So I see how quickly Tables have turned with just a little virus halting our economy to <laughs> no, I mean, we don't prescribe to any particular system or, you know, Democrats or Republicans or anything. When we're talking about finances, this is about my money in my bank account and how I manage it. And um, the rest of that stuff, you know, when the revolution comes, maybe things will be a little different and we'll, we'll have a completely different show about managing your finances. Or, you know, we have a total barter economy and then we don't have to worry about it. But for now, this is about you and your money and how you're going to get through this. So there's some relief coming and I want to talk about that. One thing that you can do is if you've been laid off, you can apply for unemployment. And um, just recently, some legislation was passed. So it'll, it'll increase the amount of money that you can get on unemployment. And there's some provisions for if you don't qualify for unemployment, if you're a contractor, you might still be able to get it. Um, so Sean, tell us more about this um, stimulus package that was just passed. Yeah, so... You know, that's one of the, the big um, the big bargaining chips that they were going over, you know, between the House and the Senate is determining, you know, how to extend these unemployment benefits. And the way the bill was originally drafted, it was only going to pertain to salaried employees and hourly employees. But because now there's such a huge segment of the population that's self-employed, gig economy people, independent contractors, they're going to extend those benefits for, for gig workers. So I think... Um, you know, for a lot of folks, that's going to be a huge, huge, huge benefit, especially in Indian country, where we have a lot of people who work self-employed. 
Um, of course, you've got the direct payments going out, and those are going to be uh, $1,200 checks for individuals, for singles who earn less than $75,000 a year, uh, $150,000 for couple, and they'll receive a $2,400 check, and then an additional $500 for each child dependent. So um, again, not a huge amount of money, and I know for some people it's just kind of a drop in the bucket, but um, I think what we're probably going to see is several waves of these um, stimulus packages, these relief packages going out, and it wouldn't surprise me at all uh, if we don't get um, an, a second check maybe a couple months down the road. So that could be helpful. Um, looks like they've got about $8 billion that's going to go towards tribal governments in the form of grants, and they can use that money to not only um, take care of um, issues and liabilities stemming from the virus, but also to alleviate any economic losses that so many tribal governments are going to be faced with. I know the National Indian Gaming Association, they lobbied for $18 billion unsuccessfully but they did lobby for $18 billion to support, uh, you know, lost revenue streams in tribal casinos, as well as that impact on, on tribal budgets. So um, again, that didn't go through, but there is $8 billion that's set aside for tribal governments. Um, unemployment benefits we talked about, there's going to be student loan for forbearance. Uh, a number of banks have already um, extended forbearance for mortgages. Also, uh, anybody that needs to make an emergency withdrawal from a 401k or the type of retirement plan, you know, ordinarily, if you're underage, you have to pay a 10% penalty. They're going to waive that penalty. And that's like really a last resort. You never want to encourage or recommend somebody to withdraw from a retirement plan to take care of expenses. But in this case, you know, for a lot of people, I think that might be a very realistic option. And the fact that they're going to waive that 10% penalty, that's huge. It's basically now you can just access it like any other type of account, but not worry about that 10% fee. So but, that's but you still, be helpful as well. Yeah, but you still have to worry about the taxes on it. And when you take a large chunk out like that, that bumps you up in the tax bracket. And, you know, so and you pay, you know, like 20 percent taxes on it anyway. And so, you know, think about that very carefully. It's great to have that 10% because uh, before, you know, when you when you would take out of your 401k, it was like borrowing with a 30% interest rate. And now, you know, it's only borrowing with a 20% interest rate. So think carefully about that. We're not telling you never, never do it, but it's definitely like, I'm going to foreclose on my home. It's time to pull out of the 401k is our advice. Right, John? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, look at your options and, um, you know, even, you know, like the loan forgiveness or the loan forbearance for mortgages, you know, like what they did during the financial crisis in 2008 is they just went ahead and, and gave people for, you know, forbearance for those payments and for one year. And then after a year, they owed the whole amount, the full amount of all those missed payments. So for right. a lot of people, it really didn't help right. them at all because ultimately they were still on the hook for that huge amount. And um, unfortunately, we're seeing similar types of arrangements with banks right now. So really, you know, do your homework. And, um, you know, if you need to restructure a loan or something like that, boy, really, really do your homework and make sure that uh, the terms are going to be agreeable. Because, again, like I mentioned earlier, um, just because they're passing these laws and just because they're extending these benefits in terms of how they're actually applied. And, you know, this is a partnership between federal government, corporate interests. You still have to buyer beware and make sure that you're you're planning these and making these decisions, understanding all the ramifications. Because yeah. unfortunately, 
like most things, you're ultimately going to be responsible for how these things impact you. We cannot emphasize this enough. Just because you your landlord can't evict you if you don't pay your rent doesn't mean your rent's not due. It's still due. It's going to be due, you know, twice, double the next month if you choose not to pay it. So find a way to pay your rent, find a way to pay your mortgage. And if you, you know, if you do need to postpone it, that's fine. But don't, don't take this extra money that you're getting and uh, not apply it towards the things that need to get paid. Because you're going to pay one way or the other, whether it comes to, you know, bad mark on your credit or, something like that, you know, or owing um, more interest in the future. I was thinking about um, folks who who have, like, businesses on the reservation right now who are running, you know, like food stands and things like that. They've probably made efforts to limit interactions and, and things like that. But um, any advice that you have for someone who's, you know, got these reservation-based businesses, particularly if the the cash flow is slowing down for them? We definitely want to think about what types of businesses are these actual legal, legal businesses that have like an actual tax structure and they report their income. Because businesses that actually, you know, are, are incorporated or even sole proprietorships, you know, there are grants available. There is relief available for rural businesses, for small businesses. And I think those could be a huge benefit to, you know, a lot of our, our small businesses in Indian country. And then you also just have the folks that go out and sell burritos in the morning or do little um, do little side hustle types of work. And they're businesses, but they not necessarily, um, they don't necessarily, you know, report their income for tax purposes. They're not legally set up as businesses. And for those folks, they're going to be a lot more limited in terms of what types of benefits that they're going to be available or they're going to qualify for through stimulus. So I think for some of those folks, and there's a lot of them, just regular people that have little side hustles, little small businesses, but they're not incorporated in any way. I think, you know, again, just really think about what the community needs. Um, you know, one thing is we are seeing a big increase in, in delivery businesses for food and takeout and things like that. So I think some of these people that have food stands and things like that, I think if they if they make sure and take the right precautions and safeguard their employees and their product, I think there could be a, a huge opportunity for them to, to either do a drive-up style business or even, you know, do some type of delivery service. I think there could be a lot of opportunities. And that's one bright spot in the economy, I think, right now is, you know, some of these restaurants that are able to, to realign the way they do business and, and sell a lot of product to people that are shut in or can't get out or just don't want to get out. And there's big opportunities like that in tribal lands as, as well. Yeah, definitely want to encourage that. I also want to, uh, for students that are struggling, you know, I know that um, for the college students that so you're sent home, you have uh, you're not getting your work study anymore. There's a couple of um, places that are offering help. If you are American Indian Graduate Center scholar, they have some emergency um, funds available. You can check them out. Um, we'll put a link on our website, nativesonabudget.com. Also, ACES um, is also has another um, student emergency fund. You can check with them and see if they have anything if you're struggling uh, to, you know, get through the year. And I just really want to encourage students, this is tough. 
This is it is challenging to continue to finish the year online, to not have the support systems on campus, but maybe you have your support systems at home. Do not give up. Do not drop out. It's so important to weather through this. And um, and I know that you can do it. We have resiliency in our blood. It is in our DNA. And this we can get through this. No problem. Give yourself a break. If you're struggling, you know, take care of yourself. Don't be too hard on yourself. But I promise you this will all be worth it. You'll get the same degree, but it'll it'll mean a lot more. Sean, it's time for the pep talk for everybody. <laughs> what you got? Reach deep. Find to well, the bottom. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to echo. I'm going to. I'm going to reach deep. I'm going to echo your thoughts. And you know, aside from our college students, let's think about also our, our younger kids, our elementary school kids, our high school kids, and our native communities that are home now. Um, they're going to be remote learning throughout the rest of the school year. Um, families, parents, grandparents are going to be tasked with, um, you know, basically homeschooling our youth between now and the end of the school year. And let's make sure, you know, we, we, we stay focused. We keep our kids structured. We keep moving forward. It's going to be really easy, I think, in a lot of situations to kind of let kids slack a little bit. But let's make sure that we give them that attention and we give them that support that they need as well as our college students. So uh, I agree with you. I mean, you know, we are survivors and we're not just survivors. We're thrivers. You know, we as Native people, we have thrived. We've thrived throughout centuries and centuries of, of challenges and crises similar to this. Um, and, and we'll get through this again. I think that, um, you know, as I said earlier, I, I just hope we as a, a people, we look at our values, our priorities. We think about some of these issues. We don't take things for granted like maybe we have in the past, and we grow from this, and we become a stronger, more capable people. I know we'll do it. And um, I think uh, Indian country is really poised to, to be a leader and to be an example to the rest of the world in terms of how to address a struggle like this and how to overcome. I hear you. I hear you. All right. I'm motivated, Sean. I'm feeling a lot better about things. Um, send us an email. If you've got questions, you're struggling through this, send us an email to nativesonabudget at gmail.com and uh, we'll do our best to answer your questions. We're here for you. We will have our regular um, first of the month episode coming out April 1st. There'll be no mention of COVID-19 in it because the secret's out. Uh, Sean and I recorded a, a number of episodes in advance, <laughs> but we're here. We are able to get on the phone and and talk to you about this. And so let us know how we can help you through this. Thank you so much. Thank you, Indian country. God bless. Stay safe.